Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. So we hiring people after they got fired by their alma mater in the NFL. That's what we're doing right now. You know we got to talk about this on one mic. This thing right here is for my people's <laughs> Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. Here we There is a pause throughout the stadium as the man sounds like he just coughs up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon Trump. Yes, yes, yes. Today, Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. Yes, yes, today, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, we're ready to roll. This is your boy, Devon Wilson, here with Real Sports Guys. This is our RSG One Mic podcast. Uh, we invite you to check us out at www.realsportsguys.com. Uh, that's our new website up and running. You can catch us on all social media with Real Sports Guys. Um, you can listen to some of the latest podcasts that's been dropped. Um, our guy, Sekou, dropped his um, year review for hip-hop uh, using uh, the framework of quarters. And each quarter had a ranking. you got to check it out. Brilliant piece. Uh, we've been putting it on our across our social media platform, but it is on our Real Sports Guys webpage under the blog tab. Um, and I have a blog that you'll love, and we'll talk a little bit about that subject uh, tonight uh, on the show. So definitely uh, check that out uh, as well. Uh, it's just been a, a crazy uh, beginning to the uh, uh, new year in terms of sports uh, that we'll get on tonight. Uh, we'll talk about and kind of close out our college uh, football season conversation. Um, it just, my goodness, Dabo Sweeney, Dabo dabbed on him. He dabbed on him. Uh, they, I, you know, we did our predictions. I said, you know, Tua's not bringing 400 people from his family to come see him not win, especially after not getting the Heisman. And not only did they not win, but then they took a beat down. You know, that was very much uh, unexpected. 
um, when you think about the way in which they played uh, uh, during the season. But you know, one of the things I will say about that is that, you know, I said all along, and now people are talking about it now, uh, that in, they had a quality of schedule issue um, that matters when you play a team like Clemson. It doesn't matter necessarily with other teams you play, but when you play the teams like Clemson, I, I think that they had some false readings. Um, they had uh, There were some questions on that defense that got a little bit more exposed. And so we'll, we'll get into some of those things. Um, we also had, you know, as you know, the, the, the firings and, uh, in the NFL, there's been a lot of talk about that, particularly as it relates to equity and inclusion. And uh, my, uh, my blog that I have on uh, the uh, RSG uh, website, that's www.realsportsguys.com, check it out. Uh, our new, we have a new look for y'all who've been following us for a while. We're trying to integrate a little bit more of this. I'm telling you, I'm trying to add something to the game every time we we uh, do something. So we try to add a new wrinkle to it, uh, you know, and uh, feel good. I, I knew I knew that I went in the right direction with the website when uh, I had a long conversation with Phil T, who's on our big show, and we'll, we're going to bring it back in 219 uh, strong. You know, Phil was like the Dr. Dre of the group. You know, he don't let no albums go out unless they tight. You know, he, he you know he got an ear for that quality, and I've known him to be a very young man, and, and his approach produces great outcomes. And so when he gave me the, you know, when you got a guy like that, he gives you a good nod, like I like the clean look. You know, you feel like you're going in the right right direction, and it's, it's good to have uh, people like that uh, around you. Um, I have an amazing podcast that's out there uh, uh, that you got to listen to. Uh, Sean Higgins, uh, former uh, Michigan Wolverine basketball player, NBA uh, player, who played on that 1989 Michigan team uh, where Glenn Rice pretty much set the world on fire. You youngins, you know, you should YouTube. I know y'all be looking that stuff up. Check out that 1989 team. Uh, we talked about a little bit uh, about that when we uh, talked to Dr. Phil Bowman in the Illinois side of the equation. But just the stories he broke out, he broke down, and that he shared with us uh, was uh, incredible. Um, it was uh, unbelievable. Um, he even, you know, so a lot of times if you listen to our podcast, and I, I recommend the one with Dr. Phil Bowman that had so much rent con- uh, rich content. Uh, if you had a chance to go back in the archives, it was while we were out at Maui. Um, Bowman Medical Group uh, was incredible with us, supported us, but also Dr. Bowman came on and. Uh, talked about um, that experience, but, you know, it, it was it kind of jumped off with that final game in Ann Arbor at Chrysler Arena where they just ran Michigan out the gym. It was Glenn Rice's senior night. And so on that podcast, uh, Sean, after 30 years, shared something that he'd never said publicly that might have led to that outcome. And so you need to, to go check that out. Um, uh, it ended up. Um, you know, being part of a story igniting a run. Um, it was after that that game that Bill Feeder, the coach at the time, announced he had accepted a job at Arizona State University. And uh, Bo Schembechler, who was a legendary football coach and at that point, AD, uh, said, uh, you're not going to coach this team. We're going to have a Michigan man coach a Michigan team. And then he uh, gave the reins over Steve Fisher, who most of you youngins, you probably, if you've been watching 30 for 30, associate Steve Fisher with the Fab Five. Um, but he really um, ignited that, that Fab Five, ignited with this 89 team. That's what created the momentum 
that I think uh, created the the opportunity for the Fab Five to actually happen. So it, it's uh, that one is a, a special special podcast that you need to 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 check out. Um, in fact, I thought I'm gonna give you. I said I'm, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a test. I'm gonna try something here. I'm gonna give you a little taste of something that he he talked about after that decision was made to switch coaches. Yeah, that's so, a true story. Wow. So this, so the irony gets crazy because, obviously, after the game, uh, Coach Frieder announces that he's got the Arizona State job, and that's when, you know, the legendary Bochum Backler, now AD, says he's going to have a Michigan man coaching a Michigan team. I remember when the guy went to the podium, I was like, that's the guy that just kicked me out of practice. And Steve Fisher yeah. took over. What was that transition like? Like, when that announcement was made, y'all had just come off this loss, you know, uh, and, you, you know, a, a game that y'all knew y'all could have won uh, in your mind. And, and now you got this change in coaches. Like, what was it like for y'all as a unit with that kind of shift? It wasn't really that big of a adjustment because, you know, Coach Frieda was a businessman, and he approached coaching the same way. You know, he delegated, mm-hmm. a, lot, he delegated a lot of responsibilities uh, to his staff. And so, you know, Steve Fisher was always vocal in practice and running stuff. Uh, uh, you know, in addition to Coach Boyd, Mike Boyd, uh, and, and Coach Frieder, uh, it was like a three-headed horse uh, in practice. And so, you know, having Coach Frieder uh, leave like that, yeah, it was a blow to us. I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't. Emotionally, it was kind of a shock. But we snapped out of it quick because, okay, it's not like they're going to bring somebody new in here. It's Coach Fisher. So we're familiar with Coach. You know, I was just – I just did an uh, interview right before we got on the air with Steve uh, Kornacki, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I expressed to him, I said, Coach Frieda was like our dad, and Coach F- Fisher was like our uncle. You know, it was kind mm-hmm. of a good cop, bad cop scenario. So that is just, I'm telling you right now, that is just the tip of the iceberg of what uh, Sean uh, tells you. Uh, uh, he had this dunk in the Final Four over Lowell Hamilton, who, was one of the top high school recruits in the country. He played on an Illinois team. Uh, Dr. Bowman talked about him and others. Um, the backstory to that dunk is worth listening to just on its on its own. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff we got going on uh, with us here. Uh, we're excited to to really be uh, running with this uh, today uh, with uh, RSG One Mike. It's uh, going to be a, a good show. Uh, we're going to take a, a little break here and then come back and, you know, hit you with something uh, in the head uh, uh, in a minute uh, with and drop some knowledge.
This is Doug Fisher, editor of RingTV.com, and I'm on the Real Sports Guys podcast. they've never seen, 
but it's something that appeals to 18-year-olds. When you have guys who could who are saying who go who could have gone to the league coming back to play because they just love the atmosphere. In the post game, it's like they're recruiting for Clemson while they're celebrating their national championship. That's a problem. That's a problem. And so when I think about, you know, one of the significant moments that kind of stand out since we were last on our podcast, you know, nothing was more significant than that. And, uh, you know, after that, you now you see coordinators leaving. Um, you know, Michigan just uh, took one of their offensive uh, uh, coordinators and, and now he's at Michigan. Um, you just saw the other uh, top offensive assistant is down there with uh, Manny, which we'll talk a little bit, Diaz down at, uh, at, uh, with the Hurricanes. Um, it, so you see this kind of exodus. And now, you know, the thing about it is, is, is a success on all levels of football, but particularly in, uh, in, in college football, it's two things. You've got to be able to recruit, and you've got to have great assistants. You gotta have great people with you teaching. You gotta have great teachers, and all the successful programs, whether it was Carroll at USC uh, or it was you know uh, the great Miami teams, it wasn't just a head coach, but they had a lot of assistant coaches who went on to become great head coaches. They had great infrastructure, great people at every spot, and I think Saban has done a lot of that with talent development in recent years. I think he's brought some more experienced people in, but he's got that. It feels like that talent and knowledge gap going on in his coaching um, infrastructure. Uh, juxtapose that with with Dabo, he ain't got nobody leaving, really. I mean, yeah, you know, his his team the coordinator had an offer, and it's like staying in Clemson because he like living there, he like the atmosphere, like he ain't falling for the fool's gold. You like you like this, you know, more money, more problems. I mean, that's what Dabo's doing because Dabo don't create the fun and the win, so. For me, that moment is so significant in terms of whether or not that's going to be a shift. Joining me now is, you know, my guy, my partner in crime is in the building, too. Uh, what's up, Hank? How you doing? Hey, D, how's it going? Boy, I'm telling you right now, I've been busier today than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. I'm telling you right now, I've been running all over the, 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 the uh, southeastern part of Michigan, but I'm glad to be able to be on the air with you this evening, brother. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I just had this, you know great interview, and I played uh, a portion of it for the audience with uh, Sean Higgins. Uh, man, incredible stories uh, that we it's up there on uh, 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 out there on on our, all of our social media platforms. You can get at Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we will be posting it on Real Sports Guys uh, website. Uh, but if you go to the, uh, our Facebook page, uh, Real Sports Guys, you can listen to it right now. But it's a it's uh, it was a doozy, man. Uh, Sean, man, Sean talked about um, why what happened behind the scenes that caused the blowout in the final game. He said after 30 years, he ain't never said it to anybody. So we got exclusive mm-hmm. on, man. Got exclusive on. So it's been a great oh, day. Oh, that right. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, so I, it's a good day. I'm, I'm gonna go check out Wisconsin. You talking about you talking about you talking the final game against the, the final game against Illinois? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, wait a minute! He didn't tell that, did he? He, he told he told why it happened, by why how it happened. Hey, uh, he didn't t- he, he he didn't use no names, did he? No, but what, you know <laughs> what he said was it was it was it was it was it was it was, uh, it was something that Coach Frieder told him before the game. 
I see. I see. So, so I, well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll let the audience do it. We'll, we'll let them listen to it. We'll, 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 let, we'll, we'll let the audience do it, and we'll let the audience hear. I look forward to hearing um, uh, that that interview. Um, I had the the pleasure of knowing Sean during that time period on a personal level, um, as well as some of the other Michigan players from the '89 national championship team. Uh, those guys are really, really close to my heart because, again, on a personal level, uh, very close to age with those gentlemen, and they were very down to earth. We would see them at the at the Central Rec campus building, just hooping after the, in the off season and that sort of thing. And it, you know, it's it's kind of neat when you're able to, you know, be around guys like that, and they go off and they do something that special. You know, that will always be, uh, as well as with, with, with Steve, uh, you know, probably one of the, 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 the moments of our young lives that, you know, you, you just you had to be there. That's one of those in-the-moment things where you knew people. You actually sat down with them and, or fellowship with them, if you will, you know, outside of what they were doing. Uh, and like what you and I talk about, these sit up and scold or just kind of like, yep. you know, mess around with each other. I had an opportunity to do that with the Sean Higgins and with some of the other guys of the 89 team. And then, you know, for them to go off and do something historic and do something special, you know, it's, it, it, to me, every time I, I think about it, I, I just can't help but just, it takes me back to a time and, and, it, it, and a great time. And, you know, so I look forward to hearing the interview. I know that uh, Sean, you know, very charismatic young man, you know, mm-hmm. uh, very, 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 um, you know, outspoken and everything. So, and his journey is, is one that, you know, he was always willing to tell. Uh, for those who didn't know, you know, he had a journey that was actually uh, brought up in the Sports Illustrated back at that time. So, uh, and I'm, like I said, I don't want to take nothing away from the interview. I think it's going to be a very good one for our listeners. But I look forward to hearing it. And, uh, again, you know, it, it, it takes me back to a time. So I, I, I know that it, it, it's a good it's a good lesson. Yeah, and uh, you know what I love about those guys. I mean, he was even like when you know Lloyd was playing for the Clippers, and he would be in Milwaukee playing. And he'd see one of my guys that knew him who lived in Milwaukee. You know, he'd ask about me. I hadn't seen him in years, and, and it's like these guys, no matter how much success they had, they would they always were down to earth. Glenn was the same way. Like he was yeah. like they never. It wasn't like they got too big for any for anything, and so to me, I, that's what I've always appreciated is uh, they they never had that. Even though they were very successful, uh, very well known, they they never that was not how they treated you. Uh, you know, if they knew you from eighteen no, years old, no. y'all, everybody was just trying to find something to eat, scrabble around, and struggle. You know, they still recall those days, and I think that to me was uh, is is about that. And often when I'm talking to student athletes today and even here at Wisconsin, I look at some of the situations, you know, I would like to see that what I, that town-gown relationship between those communities because that was retention. You know, those guys having those connections wasn't just about the people they met on campus but was about the people they met in the community. When they come back for reunions, that was one thing Sean was like, Sean, make sure, Sean was like, make sure you come back for the reunion. You know, we're going to be having a reunion. We're going to be honored. Third, you need to come on back. That's, it's a celebration for everybody. Right, and that they always right. saw it as not just you know my campus experience; it was the campus community and regional experience, and that's the part that I appreciate right. about those guys. It, very much so, you know. It was just that they again they were down to earth guys, 
You know, they were college students. They just happened to play basketball for the University of Michigan. And you wouldn't really know that so much outside of the size, actually. Um, but but not by their personality. It wasn't arrogant or anything like that. But you sense that, you know, when they when they, they, they kind of got a feeling that we're going to get busy on this and win this yep. thing. And, and and they took the whole community with them. That was the one thing about it. It wasn't so much that they were doing something fabulous and we're kind of watching it as fans. We was watching it, you know, more so like those are our boys. They they hook they they getting it in, you know. Yep. And so we so they took our, they took all of us with them that that mm-hmm. year when they won that thing. They took us all with them. I remember watching that game at a local bar in Ann Arbor. And I felt like I was right there on the sideline, you know. And the celebration after they won that thing in overtime in Ann Arbor, I will never forget it. It was raining that night, and it, it was soaking wet, and you thought it was New Year's Eve. But people were out <laughs> in the middle of the street all over Ann Arbor, in the rain, just hugging each other, kissing each other. It was just it – was, it was elation. I will never forget it. It was really the first – it was the first – you know, real championship that Michigan had in, in, in my lifetime that I could actually share at that level. And uh, it was it was greater than any role. And, and that year they had the football team won the Rose Bowl. But this one, the entire student body was in town, and it was just absolutely phenomenal. That celebration, again, it's just one that on my deathbed I will remember that. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I told him. I told him uh... – you know, even in the Final Four game against Illinois, I said, when you dunked on Lowell Hamilton, I ran out the room yelling. I was at my college campus. We was all yeah. watching it in the lounge, and I ran out yelling, ran outside. I, I was like, I said, hail to the victors. I yelled out something. He dunked on them. And he he talked about the story behind that dunk, which is a great one. I think people, like I said before, people needed it. So, yeah, it's a great story. I'm, I'm glad you were able to add uh, uh, to that um, experience and give a, a, another layer uh, flavor to it that that I think is important um, about I think even in, and this happens in other parts of the country with other types of teams you know that these relationships that happen within the community and the surrounding area with relationships people that these athletes develop in these spaces um, are lifelong relationships even beyond campus and I think that's important for people right. to, to be aware of and, and what that does for broaden their perspective and their level of support uh, when they're in these spaces is uh, is something that I think is often uh, often missed. But hey, man, we were uh, so so. Part of what I was trying to hit on was you know um, kind of the, the the moment, the best moment since uh, we last were on a podcast. And I talked a little bit about the cha- the national championship. Obviously, was the more significant moment um, that I that I've experienced in sports since our last podcast. I don't know if there's anything you want to add in terms of moments that. Uh, you've paid attention to since we were last on the air? Well, again, you know, since you were, since uh, when I called in, you were talking about the national championship game. And I don't, I, I want to kind of share a little bit of what I, 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 I tuned in that night. And I know we had talked about what we thought was going to happen in that game. Little to all of our surprises that what we saw was not the outcome that came about. But that being said, I sat down that night. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this game. But my my full expectation was uh, Clemson started out quick, but I was fully looking for Trevor Lawrence to be – that the moment was going to be too big for him. 
You know, I remember the first pass he threw, he had a, a receiver wide open, and he threw the ball about 50 feet over his head. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, yeah, he, 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 can't, he can't handle this. And to my surprise, he settled down and put in one of the, one of the finest performances I've ever seen of a quarterback at, you know, at, at that level, you know, in that situation. But I saw something. We talk about moments. The one thing I saw, the one moment that I saw that I thought I would never see, D, I thought I would never see from a Nick Saban coach team in a national championship game was their heart stripped right out of their chest, stomped flat, and they didn't do anything about it. I've never seen it. I've, I've actually watched an a, a Alabama team tuck their tail and run. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. It got to the point where it looked like, you know, and, and, and Michigan fans and all the fans across the nation who are upset with how their teams performed in the bowl game, imagine, if you will, if you are a Crimson Tide fan, and you can always fall back on, well, we were, you know, 14-1, and one, we had a great season. That's not what that expectation is. Not at all, okay? Alabama's defense, that vaunted defense, could not stop the run. They could not stop the pass from a freshman quarterback, okay? They were outcoached by Dabble Swinney and his, and his coaching staff, okay? There was nothing that the mighty Nick Saban – in fact, you saw the mighty Nick Saban make some boneheaded play calls. It happens, people. It happens to the greatest of them, all right? And it happens to them sometimes on the greatest of stages. All right, that was a moment that I take away. There were two things, too, I also want to mention, too, D, and I heard you talking about it when, when I came on the air, and that's the fact that these young men at the at Clemson University decided they were, you had several pros that could have went last year, okay, and these young men decided to stick together, band together, and, and make a run at this championship, okay, and they succeeded to the point of big – Giant 350-pound man boys were crying in joy and in jubilation. Okay, this is what I was talking about, if you recall, at the, at, in my, mm-hmm. my drop-the-mic. Stay and stay the course. Finish the race, okay? That's Commit right. and don't quit. These men didn't do that. They, they did just that, all right? And what they did was they left a legacy. But as you were saying before, now I'm, I'm going to make sure that once we leave here that this legacy lives on. I heard the recruiting pitch for those cats, too, out there on the West Coast. That's what you do when you care about a program. That's old school, okay? That is what I like. I like the fact that Dabo Sweeney, and Dabo Sweeney did not win Michigan fan his first two, three years. It took a minute. There was a term called Clemsoning. You remember that, D? That's right, yeah. Clemsoning Clemsoning was you couldn't win the big one. You would choke against your rivals. They called it Clemsoning. All right? Now look what Clemsoning is now because they stayed the course with this coach. You got to be patient sometime and allow greatness to come. I'm very happy for the Clemson Tigers. There is a shift there, okay? And I'm going to tell you what this looks like to me. And, you know, and, and I know our listeners are like, hey, can y'all talk about anything else with the University of Michigan? Yeah, we can, but, but just bear with me on this one. This sounds a lot to me like what we're seeing in the college basketball ranks with John Beeline in the University of Michigan, okay, where it took a minute, the fan base wasn't happy. Now you got one of the finest basketball programs in the nation. You got the same thing with Dabo Sweeney, and you give a good coach a good time to develop his program, and then you can run into some greatness that will that will last. 
okay? Sometimes patience is a virtue. You've seen it with Clemson. They're one of the powerhouses of, of, of the league. Uh, Nick Saban, and he, he's always going to recruit well. But Clemson, in the two championships that they've beaten Alabama, is giving other teams a blueprint, a blueprint on how to manage, how to beat the Crimson Tide. And what I noticed, D, is when you get Nick Saban up tight, he starts to come out of his comfort zone, start doing some crazy stuff, start throwing caution to the wind, seeing what sticks. I've seen that a couple of times he's successful, but this time he wasn't. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. It was like it was like that moment Mike Tyson realized he couldn't beat Evander Holyfield, and that's what he saw right. with 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 with, with uh, Alabama players. I mean, the, like I, the part you talk about, like the physical play, like you know, mm-hmm. just physically dominating um, in a way that they, they didn't respond and just looking more athletic, particularly. Uh, when you talk about the matchup between the receivers and the defensive backs, uh, you know that that they look like a mismatch. And so you, you're right um, when you talk about putting those pitches together. In terms of I'm a top player, I got a chance to go to the national championship. Do I want to have fun, or do I want to feel like I'm going to boot camp? You know that that becomes a more difficult conversation. Uh, you know when you're you know you know Saban can still win a lot of arguments over a lot of other coaches, but. But now this is coming down. Clemson is walking into this space, and and Clemson right now um, is in the ACC with some of their top teams still um, trying to find themselves, organize themselves. So you know they have a chance where you know they can really be dominating their conference and be on that trajectory uh, to to be uh, in in the championship final four. So. You know, and Alabama's got to go back and see, you know, as the SEC starts to get better, some of the other teams begin to challenge, as Georgia starts to find itself, um, it, it becomes more and more uh, difficult. So, yeah, we, we, are, we are talking about that. So, we're on the college football thing. So, Manny Diaz gets hired by Temple, signs a five-year deal. Next thing I know, he's back on his way to Miami. Great hire for Miami. Can't do it. So bad for Temple. But – I think this is a great hire for Miami. I think um, when he got the job back, fired the entire offensive uh, offensive staff, and just hired um, uh, former uh, Alabama associate head coach and quarterback coach uh, Dan Enos uh, to be uh, the the offense the OC uh, who coached Tua and also worked with Jalen Hurst. So that he's making moves down there. You think you think the Canes are back? They, you know what? The jury is still out, okay? Because Mark Rick, being a, uh, you know, being the being an alumni, and they they brought him in, and you know the honeymoon was 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 great. The U was supposed to be back. They came up with the turnover chain. You know, they looked like they were back a year ago, okay? Then they got thumped by Clemson, and then all of a sudden they have a step back. You know, here's the thing that that. I don't know. When I, I don't. I'm not going to say they're back. I think that the pressure on the University of Miami coach, head coach, to get that team back to that that uh, dynasty level, has got to be tremendous. Okay, you've got some very vocal uh, alumni down there. You know, ex, ex NFL players that are Hall of Famers. Okay, that wants to see that program go back to where it used to be, and I don't know if it's if it's at all possible. In this day and age, can they be a a, a, 
a great football program again? Sure they can. Are they going to be able to dominate like they once did? That remains to be seen. Are the alumni going to be patient enough to allow a coach to go down there and be able to, you know, place his program in, be patient, let him grow it? I'm not sure. I felt like Mark Rick felt that pressure, okay? He just up and said, you know what the hell with this, I quit, all right? And it, he was in there, and last year was a good year for him, okay? But because they, they didn't finish, all right? And then this year was a little bit of a step back. He's struggling at the quarterback position between the young freshman and Rozier, and then all of a sudden it's like, I got to go. Then Manny Diaz is going to go and get him a job, and then Mark Rick like, okay, I'm done. There, there, there's a lot there. There's a lot of pressure at the University of Miami, okay? There's a lot of pressure on that coaching staff. It's hard to say that they'll, they'll, they'll be back unless they back off, let these coaches do what they got to do, and allow this program to grow again. They've been down for a while now, okay? And it's like they, 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 they don't have a, maybe a two-year uh, tolerance level for any coach. And all of a sudden, it's supposed to be the uh, hurricanes of old. That's not fair. That's not fair to any coaching staff. The, the, the landscape has changed dramatically in the ACC, Okay. And it's not it's, it's it's not your grandfather's conferences anymore, all right. So it's going to take some time. I think he's a good coach. I think Mark Rick would have been a good coach down there. But they but but if they keep on squeezing these uh, coaches like 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 grapes in a uh, in in a vat, it's going to be tight on them. Yeah, and I you know I think you know I was surprised Mark Rick left. To tell you the truth, you know uh, uh, you know but you know. Uh, I don't know, you know, and it might be a lot of what you said. I was surprised that he uh, retired. I was just surprised because um, I felt like he was pushing the right direction. I think he was in a situation similar to Harbaugh. You got a lot of these other pieces around, but you still got to find your quarterback. That's where I felt like he was right. in. And so uh, I just think he needed to be patient. I think part of the strategy is you still got to draw a circle around Dade County and Broward and all that, and you got to not let it leak. And I think there's still leakage. Where I think Manny is different. Is swag. He got a he got a he got an energy that feels very Miami. That I think will resonate with some of these young cats in South Florida. Um, I you know I think he has the and he'll be able to start with defense. And he brought in an offensive coordinator who who developed not just quarterbacks but developed other offensive players. And so being able to sell that that package of preparation for the NFL, I think he has a package that might be appealing in a way that Rick, even though he was an alum, did not. And so I think that that you might see a quicker change, particularly if, if and I don't know if it happened, if Jalen decides to go to Miami, then I think they'll be back quick. Because now you got somebody who is um, has, uh, has an experience marching towards the national championship, but is also doing it in a league where he can continue to grow and go with a offensive coordinator and a system he's going to know. So if you can get the offense cleaned yeah. up, you already got a top defense year in, year out. If you get the offense that can help him, now you got something different. And so I, I think that especially if they get Jalen Hurst um, and uh, allow for, um, you know, their younger quarterbacks to develop a little bit uh, over a year and get used to that system – I think they can be back, you know, uh, easily top ten on a, throughout next year. 
um, and then maybe making that run, you know, making the game against Clemson much tighter, where it's down uh, possession mm-hmm. to the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? And they're playing on the New Year's Day Bowl. I could see that happening uh, with them. But we'll monitor that. You know, we'll monitor the U. You know, they, 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 they you know, it's like, you know, they, you know, you, Michigan, some of the teams you bring them back into the fold, it just brings a different energy to the national conversation. Uh, but if you want to disrupt what Clemson is doing, it's going to take a team like the U or USC where they can tap into them, that, that regular talent base on a regular basis to, to challenge those, those two contenders. So we got the playoffs coming mm-hmm. up. You know, we got the, here's the matchups. On Saturday, we've got Indy against KC. We've got the Cowboys against the Rams. On Sunday, we've got the Chargers at the Patriots. We've got the Eagles at the Saints. Who needs uh, a win this weekend out of these teams? You know, that's a good one. I, I think the, 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 the obvious pick is uh, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, there's no, it's no question about it. Pat Mahomes has been the story of the year. Okay, um, but Andy Reid now for several years, okay, since he's been in Kansas City, has had a, a, a fabulous uh, regular season record. Has had a home playoff game, and has figured out a way, one way or another, to to drop that ball and kick it out of bounds. Now, he's got a dynamic quarterback that can make throws anywhere, all right? Granted, you can his, his, his defense has been suspect all season, but now they're at home again. The weather is not supposed to be that great, but Andy Reid's got the win, okay? You can, the, the question is going to it, – it's one thing to lose a playoff game. It's another thing to consistently lose playoff games at home, all right? And this is what Kansas City has done. They have lost playoff games at home. And, and and at some point that coach is gonna be like it's gonna be like that coach can't win it. Now we can look at everybody, we can look at Andrew Luck and and and, and that and that Indianapolis coach team. But he's already had a fabulous season. Okay? I mean he had a fabulous game last week and and um and and, and now and now here they are. All right, and they weren't they weren't favored to win that one. I, I actually picked uh who they play, I'm sorry. Uh, but I picked the other team to win. <laughs> okay, we went back and forth on that one. Houston, yeah. Um, Houston, Houston. Okay, I had actually picked Houston and Deshaun Watson and those guys to win that game. Let you know how I think about it, right? But uh, they carved up Houston's defense. I didn't expect that. Okay, I mean they was going down the field at will one time. I'm like, this is going to be a blowout. All right, they just absolutely played a complete football game. But uh, this is this is a must-win, in my opinion, for Andy Reid and the Chiefs, all right, as well as Indianapolis is playing. And that's the toughest team. Don't nobody want to play them. But Andy Reid is going to be like, here you are with another home game with a potential MVP quarterback, okay, and you still can't get it done. All right. I, and when I look at these other matchups, Dee, I mean, you can, you, can, you can make an argument. You'll probably go this route. You'll probably go the route with Dallas. But uh, I, I'm not firmly convinced on that one, okay, um, because of who they have to play. But I, I, I truly believe that this, this is a make or break for Andy Reid. Yeah, I think it's interesting how many people are jumping on Tomlin. And you laid out all those things about Andy Reid, and nobody says his job is in jeopardy. 
No one says. Right. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You know, Phil T sometimes gets on me because he feels like I'm too hard on Andy Reid. He's for his days going back to Philly where, you know, I felt like he failed Donovan. You know, they had that incredible running game. They didn't use it. Um, you know, this is a guy who's a former lineman, uh, much more balanced. He gets out here to Kansas City. Now he wants to run the ball. You know, now he got this kid. But he's an amazing mind. Uh, but, you know, his thing right now, like you said, almost like we talked about Clemsoning, <laughs> we got Andy Reading. Uh, he, he needs to finish. Right. And that's his big thing. That's what's missing on his on his resume. Uh, he needs he needs to finish. The one I have, actually, is the Rams. And the reason really? why I, I, I say that is McVay has been portrayed as Kid Wonder, even so, even so great that he can get a guy a job even after he got fired uh, by his alma mater in college uh, and because he knows and he's associated with him. Like, his reach is, is unbelievable. This guy, is, and it's not his fault, but he's been portrayed as this, 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 this genius that everybody's trying to find right now to be able to do it. So with that, you can't afford to lose. The other reason is, on top of that, they got beat at home by the Falcons last year in the same position, 26-13. And so you, they, you start out as a, a prohibited prohibit, favorite. God dang, I can't get out my prohibited. mouth today. There you go. There you go, prohibited favorite. There we go. Help me out with that. I, my mouth is getting dry. There you go. Thank you. There you go. Hey, Help hey, me out. Hey. We, we got each other's back. That's right. We got everybody's back. You know, them, 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 them GRE words get me. That's why they, I'm glad I'm done with it. Uh, <laughs> but they, they start out as an as a, a overwhelming favorite. There you go. You can always switch it up, youngins. Uh, but they have not – they've had some, 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 some kind of uh, a, a, a knock in the armor right now. Their defense. They paid all that money for the defense, and yeah, you know, uh, Talib was uh, hurt and everything else. Uh, but that defense has got to find his heart. You got to stop pumping Kool-Aid. They are 19th uh, in yards allowed, uh, yards allowed, and 20th in points allowed. Yet they probably had the most dominated player uh, in the NFL in Donald. You know who they paid? You know, uh, you know, 135 million dollars to be there. So they they got a defense. That is, was pegged as a championship defense, but they were run on by Seattle. They were run on by many teams that got physical with them. And so you need to find out, is the arrow going up for golf? Is the arrow going up for McFay? Is the arrow going up for that defense? Is it all talk or is it for real? You know, that's what you need to find. If, if Dallas comes in here and comes away with a victory, that's going to be a, a, a major blow uh, to the Rams organization and where they're going, and and this whole uh, idea about uh, the innovation that McFay is bringing uh, to to football, because he's basically Andy Reid Jr. If he don't do it like that, he's basically you know this guy who can't get it done at home in the playoffs. So that's the that's the team I think really needs to win this weekend. But I like I like the Chiefs. Let me. Let me, but let me ask you this though, okay? I I, I want to give I want to play devil's advocate on that matchup, okay? Because I thought that you have taken the Dallas Cowboys, and this is why I'm saying that, okay? Because with Dallas Cowboys, now you you've gone and 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 invested in in the wide receiver they got from Oakland, okay? Um, the young man from Alabama. Um, uh, then you got you got uh, Ezekiel Chewbacca, you know, um, <laughs> Ellie. And then you got Dak Prescott, all right? 
this is a team that's supposed to be able to dominate on the run the running game. Uh, going against an LA team, which to this to this time, in my opinion, D is still a displaced team. Okay, um, they, they're they're back in Los Angeles. I think McVay has done an amazing job, and the time is there. They've made the playoffs the last two years. They're making that stride. They're looking like that team, but they're still almost like a novelty to me. Okay, what versus when I look at the Dallas Cowboys and Jason Garrett, who's been over there since Moses parted the Red Sea, and nobody seems to question him. All right, and 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 they can't seem to get to uh, the the NFC Championship game after Jerry Jones goes and buys a yacht the size of Michigan Stadium. All right, and keep on flossing, yet his football team fails, you know, consistently in the playoffs. You would think, you would think that going out here, if they would have dropped this game, that that you know Jerry Jones, it would this would embarrass him, don't you think? I mean, more so than. You know, you still got an up-and-coming product, if you will, even though there's been some money spent on the Rams. You still got an up-and-coming and young product with them versus what you got with the Cowboys. But what I would say is the Rams are, you know, all year a legitimate uh, top team, uh, you know, that people uh, predicted to, to not only go to the Super Bowl, but, but to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they got a home field advantage. Uh, they have uh, um, everything lined up uh, for them to to do what they need to do, and so I look at that. I look at I actually like the Cowboys because what the Cowboys had to do under 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 for this year was they could not have a one and done. And when you saw Jerry Jones clapping at the end of that game last week. He was clapping because he did want to fire Jason Garrett. It had nothing to do with the victory. He, he was clapping because they didn't. It didn't make me have to fire my my long lost son. And so I think Jason's <laughs> earned in, in Jerry's mind. Uh, because he's going on the road, playing against the Rams, uh, who are you know a favorite. If they just if they play competitively, you know, other than just getting run out out the building, but if they play up a competitive game and lose close to the fourth quarter, then I, Jerry will frame it as we're going in the right direction. Whereas if the Rams lose a home game, if you look at, yes, Dallas has a great defense. You know, they have a great defense. But when, when, you, when, you, when, you, think about, when you think about the Rams and Donald and – uh, you know, uh, you know that defense that was supposed to be vaunted in some ways. You know, you got to be able to look at it and say, you know, we we they should be able to to make some 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 noise happen. You you know, you you got you got to live back. You got you got a whole bunch of stuff happening uh, here, and and you gotta you, you should be able to to make something happen. Uh, in terms of that, you got Sue, you got Brock, you got Barons. I mean, when you think about it on defense, that has to go. They got Amari Cooper, yes, but but at the same time, you you got you got you got a defense that at home, and you know they you know yes they they're waiting for the new stadium, but they, they they play well enough at home and got enough energy to win the games they won to get home field advantage. So this is a game. If you look at it from a talent standpoint, they should win. And if they don't, 
with all the hype this guy McVay has, you got to wonder. That's all I'm saying. I got you. I'm just saying that. I got you. I'm just saying that. All right. Who, what's going to be the headline on Monday real quick? Woo! That's a good one. That's a good one. I hate to say this. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but I got to say it. The headline is going to be, is this the end, end of the Patriots dynasty? Yeah, I'm saying it. I'm thinking that I'm thinking that from what I've seen, and I don't believe I'm saying this. You know how I am. But I, I, from what I've seen of these playoffs, I, I truly believe that the, that the uh, L.A. Chargers is going to go into Foxborough and, and turn the playoffs on its ear. Okay, and that this is going to be the game that 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 Tom Terrific and the New England Patriots, I'm saying Pats, patched up team, okay, uh, that 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 it finally comes to an end. All right, that uh, they, the Emperor's clothes are stripped off, and and it's time to move on without him. I don't. I think that his that his last hurrah was the last Super Bowl. I'm not really convinced with this year's New England Patriot team. They lost to the Detroit Lions, D. All right, and, and what I thought was a fluke, but that team then loses that game in Miami where they've got uh, Gronk out there trying to tackle folks. And yeah, I know this is the playoffs, but this is not the same Patriots team. And I think Philip Rivers now, you know, he, he's 0 and 7, I think, against Tom Brady. All right, so I think it's, it's the time has come. That that some things be broken, and then that's where I think it's going to be. It's going to be as the Patriots run finally come to an end. Yeah, I, I, I was like, I was going, to, and it kind of leads into our one mic. The headline is going to be "Fight the Power." Anthony Lynn's new Chuck D taking over. <laughs> he coming in, and uh, I like what Rex Ryan said about him. He's not afraid of the devil. He ain't going to be intimidated. Right. I mean, this guy. In, in the face of all this stuff being defined by coaches, everything else, he's just kind of been like, I don't care. You know, he he went for it against uh, the uh, uh, Kansas City, which I think really gave him uh, a, 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 a lot of credibility with his guys in the locker room. Uh, and um, you know, I think they, they got a defense that's going to travel, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 time. Uh, for that franchise to get over the top, and it's one of those things where people won't think this is going to happen. But you always have a you have you have a road warrior, and I feel like they've been building themselves all year to be that road warrior. And I I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be the the face of it. You know, in this in this time where particularly as a black head coach, you know, uh, leading in there, uh, you know, when there's only one left standing <laughs> right now. You know, right. he he's gonna pull all the stops out uh, to do what he needs to do to get that victory. Um, you know, for his quarterback who is desperate need of a Super Bowl appearance, and I think you're right on right on mm-hmm. that. I think they're gonna put all the stops out there, and I give them confidence. I think they got a defense that can travel. Um, I think they're they're rounding it out, yeah. um, and they got a running game, um, and you know they're not gonna be scared. So I think that's one of the things right. I, I would go with that. All right, so we're gonna uh, gonna drop into the cipher real quick uh, to talk about a very important issue called the cipher. 
So what I'm saying right now is we're hiring college coaches in the NFL who can't win at their alma mater. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing right now. Is that what we're doing? That's the issue I'm putting in the middle of the table, man. Cliff, he's break? Come on now. Help me out, Hank. Help me out. Help, help me understand. You know what? What is giving him the right to have a job in in the NFL? What is giving him the right to have a job in any of the of the big five uh, uh, college uh, football programs? This is what happens. This is what happens when you let billionaires who just you know wants to play PlayStation with their franchises uh, start making decisions. Now. That being said, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a terrible coach. He is a well of an offensive-minded coach. The one name that, that that's tied very closely, Kingsbury, is Pat Mahomes, okay? And Pat Mahomes set some records in college as with Cliff Kingsbury as his head coach. That being said, Texas Tech didn't win a damn thing either, Okay. They were a very mediocre football team with a great offense, okay? You want to go see some offense, go Google the game between Texas Tech and the University of Oklahoma, Pat Mahomes against um, uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. You, you're talking about some numbers. I think Mahomes put up uh, something like five, 500 yards of, of passing. Baker Mayfield put up six, okay? Nobody played defense that day. Um but I don't know what was the uh, decision to bring on a Cliff Kingsbury. Like you said, what makes you think that this young man can, can manage your NFL franchise? Um, but I, I've given a lot of thought to this, D, and the only thing I could come up with that even makes logical sense is this. Uh, he doesn't have to recruit, all right, which means that while I can I can bring on uh, great offensive talent and teach them my offensive scheme. I used to be a quarterback myself about Kingsbury, and I can groom my quarterback. Okay, they have a young quarterback over there. Um, I can groom my quarterback and um, turn him into a the next Pat Mahomes and have this uh, dynamic offense. Also, because I'm not the CEO of my football program, I have a GM who will be responsible for, you know, helping me find a defensive coordinator that can keep points off the board and also go and make, like like uh, uh, Bill Parcells once says, uh, if you want me to cook the food and eat let me buy the groceries, well, they just want Cliff Kingsbury to cook the food. Somebody else is going to buy the groceries. All right, and that's the only thing I can see, that they want him in there to really push this, this narrative of, um, of being able to have this dynamic offense, work with the young quarterback they got, uh, Josh Rosen, and, and help build that team that, that way. And then really the GM is going to be responsible for building the rest of that team. That's all I can see. That's all I can see, that, that Arizona is saying, okay, we're going to take the time to at least put butts in, in chairs with this fun and gun offense and and uh, get people out here to see this versus trying to win championships basically because there's no way we're going to be able to overcome Seattle and the Rams right now. 
That's the only thing I can see. And then perhaps maybe once we we're able to do that and play that novelty card, then we go in a different direction with a a a seasoned coach. That's the only explanation I can give to this. Well, and, and, and part of my problem with that, and even if that were true, that's not afforded to all people. And, and the argument I make in the piece that I'm working on, that it should be up on our uh, Real Sports Guys page, our, the blog, is that if, if we're talking about offensive-minded coaches, and I, you, you're going to be, you probably going to as a Lions fan, you're going to be like, but Jim Caldwell, think about it. In his seven years as coaches, as a coach, five of his seven years, his team has finished in first and second place in their division. The Lions have only been to the playoffs three times in the last 20 years, and he's done it twice. Yeah. He, he had, he had uh, endorsements from Peyton Manning, from several coaches. He was 14 He's been in the Super Bowl. But we, we don't frame him as someone who um, understands um, how to win and has an offensive mind. It's like we, we associate and give labels to folks based on nothing. And so, like, the benefit of the doubt quotient doesn't seem to be applied equally across coaches based on race. That's the part that kills well, me. Well, absolutely I mean, not. Said, uh, that, huh? I mean, you, you, I'm just saying you are absolutely on spot on. I mean, the Lions fired Jim Caldwell with a 9-7 record, okay? They could always sit around and pinpoint what he did wrong, but the team was always in the mix in the end, you know, bearing – some other circumstance. I didn't think it was a good idea to fire him, but it was almost like the writing was on the wall there. But but you're absolutely right. There is no if I, if you got to sit down like I did, and because we've got people listening to us on this on this uh, podcast, that means I've got to sit down and figure out a way or figure out a reason why Cliff Kingsbury, with no NFL experience and very a very poor record. At the University of Texas Tech, um, is is the, is the head coach today of the Arizona Cardinals. It does not make any logical sense. It doesn't. All right. When you talk about a Jim Caldwell, you can talk about a bevy of other coaches that deserve a second chance. Okay. That wasn't even talked to. But this is but and, and I get it. I understand that there is a a movement out there. Okay. Amongst coaches and amongst coaching staff to get younger and more innovative coaches that's coming up with something outside of the same old, same old. It's happening. It's a a movement. It's starting to pick up energy. It's it's happening. It's starting in the college ranks where you start to see coaches move around and coordinators move around to to try to get a more innovative type of coach. And, 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 And can you throw this into that category where you can absolutely say he's young, okay, you can also say that he's innovative with his offensive scheme, but where the W's and the L's come in, you know, and you know an NFL is a business. I get it. I fully understand what you're saying. You've got other coaches, but I don't know if Arizona's trying to make a splash and say, look, we're going to go young and we're going to do this and think that they're smarter than anybody else in the room. I've seen that blow up in a lot of GM's face when they do that. And this one smacks yep. them. This one actually was- smacks them. And what's interesting about this is, you know, Steve Wilkes gets not even a season, really, uh, to do this. And 
And he replaced his offensive coordinator with a, 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 another a, a former quarterback, Byron Leftwich, who was who had a record similar to Kingsbury or better when you talk about the quality coming out of college. But he had a better pro career, has been an co- offensive uh, coach for a while in the NFL. Why isn't he being um, seen as a young, innovative, up-and-coming coach when people are talking about these people with coaching backgrounds? You know, they talk about McVay. McVay played quarterback in high school. He was a receiver in the same conference that, that uh, Leftwich played in. He was basically his college career was being as a receiver. But so he's drawing from that high school quarterback knowledge. When you got a guy like Leftwich who played uh, uh, college football and pro football at a high level for a while, and he doesn't have the same kind of thing. I mean, my thing is if we're using this as a framework, why wasn't Arizona looking at, oh, we already got, we got this young, uh, innovative guy now that offers a coordinator. How can we develop him into the next one? He's a former quarterback. He's a former guy who's been, uh, uh, you know, uh, passing game coordinator. He's been all these other things. Why wasn't he able to, why weren't they able to see Leftwich as someone who could be that? Listen. What we saw with Arizona is what we saw in Arizona. They fired their coach after one season. Okay, so what what was really so so clearly? All right, they didn't want this. They didn't they didn't want that face to be the face of their franchise. All right, right. you can you you can you can say all you want to, and and I'm not playing the race card here. I'm I'm playing the umpire here. I'm gonna call it like I see it. All right, if you are interested. And really, if if that didn't work, if what what you had didn't work, then you would assume, right, that your next move is going to be a more seasoned coach, NFL coach, that has got experience in building a a program from the inside out, okay, on the field level. You didn't do that, okay? You You went even deeper in the space to go grab you someone who has absolutely no NFL experience, okay, has, you know, was just terminated, fired from his job because the team wasn't winning, wasn't making bowl games, and wasn't making any strides in the pack, in, in, in the Big 12 conference, okay? When you're looking around and you're starting to see teams start to resurrect themselves like the Oklahoma State, like the Baylors, Okay, that 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 struggled down, but are now starting to resurrect yourself, and now you're starting to see Texas, uh, Texas Tech going the other direction. All right, this is a problem, but yet and still, um, you 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 get the Arizona, you know, the Arizona uh, Cardinals job. Now the thing is, it made more sense to me. It made perfect sense to me when USC hired him as the OC. Perfect yeah. sense at all. You you want to get out there on the West Coast where you can throw the ball around, made perfect sense. Knowing that you've got uh, Oregon and you've got uh, Chip Kelly over there in uh, UCLA, I got to get it right. That made perfect sense. But now you go and take the job in Arizona, and again, it's not Cliff Kingsbury's fault. All right, he interviewed for the job and got it. That's right. But you got to ask yourself, your Arizona Cardinal fan, what the hell are you doing? Okay, Bruce Arians took this team to the Super Bowl. Now you, it seems like you're going backwards. It doesn't make any sense. It, it simply doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. And and it's not uh, when you make these arguments. It's not uh, a argument at Cliff Kingsbury. He the opportunity presents itself. He's got to take it. Is that can that type of opportunity happen for somebody who don't look like him? 
And I would say not. That would never happen. People would burn it down. You know, uh, what if that was what was that? What if that was Kevin Sumlin? What if they would have just brought Kevin Sumlin in? Right. Who's right there? Well, who's the offensive guy? The, the what do you thing, think the reaction would have been? Here's the thing. But here, here's the thing that, that, that I struggle with, okay, because when you look across, when, when you look on the sidelines now, you're starting to see more coaches of color than you've had in the past, okay, all at one time. You you see San Diego, uh, San Diego. you see the, 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 the Chargers have them, you know, the Jets coach, the Denver Broncos coach, you know, even Arizona's coach. The problem is, is that the leash is so damn short, sure. okay? That's the problem. That's the thing. It's not so much that they're not getting the jobs, okay? You can you can make that argument just like I did with the teams. You still you still have Mike Tomlin with a job, you know. You still you, then then you really throw the curve off when you look at what how long Hugh Jackson kept his job and how long Marvin Lewis kept his, okay? So you can make the argument that they're getting opportunities. The problem is the fact that with some of these young coaches, first time coaches. Okay, your argument is with your first-time coaches. How how short that leash is. What happened in 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 um in in um with with Arizona? That's ridiculous. What happened in in in, uh, in Denver? That's ridiculous. You know, that's not even fair. Why even give me the damn job in the first place if that's going to happen? All and, right, and we got to, I need to be able got... to at least I least at least to be able to get a chance. It's not like you're taking over a Super Bowl contender. I'm going to go back in the past a little bit, okay? When the Giants won the Super Bowl, the last Super Bowl that the Giants won was Bill Parcells, all right? The next coach they hired was Ray Hanley. Ray Hanley had to be arguably one of the worst NFL football coaches I have ever seen at any level in my life. And yet Ray Hanley was given two years, okay? Another one, Rich Kotite. Y'all go look, go Google these cats. The worst coaches ever to, to roam the sideline of any team from Pop Warner all the way up into the NFL. But they got more than a year's time, and in some cases got hired by other teams to run them. All right? That's what makes this thing stink like bad cheese. Because, like, how are you going to do this when y'all giving them an opportunity? That's, that's your argument. How is one year enough of a barometer? to say that when you're talking about teams that wasn't getting it done in the first place, that's why these guys got hired in the first place, right? Because the coach prior wasn't getting it done. So I need to have time to at least instill my scheme and get these players to buy into what I'm doing. But I'm gone after 16 games. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and and, and then you got the the Lions GM like, uh, we're a tougher team since Matt Patricia arrived. Right. Right. All right. All right. We go. We go. You had all kind of dysfunction on that team. You saw it. You saw it from the from week one. Oh, and by the way, the Jets uh, uh, beat the Lions, blew them out in Detroit. And yet that coach lost his job. He, he's gone. But, 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 but we, Matt we, Patricia we, still we, got his. He still got his. Having said all that, we're going to give it to our brother Hank as usual, to, to bless us on the way out and uh, drop that mic. Listen, I, you know, I'm going to go in a different direction. What are we, 11, 11 days into a new year? And we didn't talk about this too much. But uh, 
um, of, of going in a different direction, uh, some of y'all may not know about uh, Mean Gene Oakland. Mean Gene Oakland used to be the voice of what used to be the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. All right, changed later on into the WWE. All right, uh, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. But this was Gene Oakland was the voice when in the heyday of Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and the Iron Sheik. And, and Rowdy Roddy Piper, and a lot of these guys that was the next generation of wrestling, okay? Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts and all of these guys where uh, guys like me will actually go and watch these guys uh, wrestle. And, and it, we knew that it was all in fun and it all in games, but it was guys like, like me, Gene, that you, you, he was the voice of that sport just like you could say, that Ernie Harwell or Jack Buck was the voice of baseball, or how you could say Howard Cosell was the voice of boxing once upon a time. He he, he was a voice that transcended a time. And, you know, uh, the first week of the new year, he passed away. So another another legend, you know, that's gone from us. You know, it, it, it becomes sad sometimes because we spend so much time reminiscing, and I try to spend as much time as I can giving y'all a little bit of where we came from to where we're going. But, there, but, but we always need to just take a moment and just say thank you for the memories and thank you, Mean Gene Oakland, for making WWE or, or, or wrestling entertainment what it was. Let's drop the mic for the night. Y'all have a safe one. We'll talk to you later. Peace. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.